0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates
1: price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome back to the Bama online podcast. It is a Tuesday, September the 6th, 2022. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined today by senior team reporter. Charlie Potter and Charlie man I had to struggle there with the date a little bit because there's just been so much football these last four or five days it's almost felt like in some way or another every day's been Saturday of late
0: yeah it it was a crazy weekend um some some crazy games for sure whether you have that that Iowa game where they can't (laughs) score a touchdown that crazy ending to the LSU Florida State everything happened Saturday it feels like it's been like a a full two weeks of football so far, and we're mm-hmm. just now entering week two. But now that we're here on, on Tuesday of, of the second game week, it feels like it's just you can't even hold on for how fast it's going. Like we were waiting and waiting and waiting for, for week one to get here. I know we had the little appetizer of week zero, but you wait for week week one. It felt like a really long offseason to me. And then now it's just like, well, dang, it's already in the rearview mirror. Here we go. Time to buckle in.
2: Yeah, week zero was like tapas, you know, small plates yeah. and things like that. And then we got the full Piccadilly cafeteria sort of experience <laughs> in week one, no doubt about it. Just come, kept coming at you in waves. And then we've got the NFL cranking yeah. up the regular season here in the next few days. And goodness knows, we've talked about in the past uh, how much you have to keep up with there for us at BamaOnline.com where all the Alabama alums in the National Football League are concerned. And I know that's no different this time around. You look at some of these week one matchups in the NFL, and it's hard not to start with the quarterbacks. Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, right out the gate, Charlie.
0: Yeah, and those are two guys that um, their teams did complete opposite things with them this offseason in terms of getting them help, (laughs) it seems (laughs) like. Like Tua is in Mac Jones' situation last year, or even better, getting guys like Tyreek Hill and some of the additions that they made and a head coach that, that gives a damn about him. Um, and then Mac is kind of going the opposite direction when he's looking around the room and it's like, what, what's left? So I'll be interested to see that matchup. I still think the Patriots, um, you know, they can have a solid season. But there's a lot of eyeballs on Tua, I think rightfully so. But I, I think he could be a guy that, that proves a lot of guys wrong.
2: Yeah, we saw these two match up a year ago, and you're right. It's kind of a 180 in terms of the the preseason narrative for both those teams. Mac, uh, I get the sense Mac is just going to have to be the play caller, uh, pseudo pe- play caller for for New England at this point with Josh McDaniels now in Vegas. Even if the play comes in from say Matt Patricia, Mac Jones got to be thinking as soon as he breaks the huddle and gets a look, pre-snap look, he's probably going to have to to adjust and adapt on a snap-by-snap snap basis. So maybe one thing, too, in this preseason that surprised you the most, was it the Leatherwood release by the Raiders, maybe? Um, a couple other moves that maybe caught your eye as we get ready for the start of the season.
0: That was, was a bit surprising. I know he struggled this preseason. Um, honestly, though, the Raiders... Man, just what what a what a circus that is in terms of the the changing of the guard and and then just kind of cutting ties with all their first round picks in one way or another, whether now or in the future. But that one was was surprising. It's always a shock to see a, a first rounder uh, get cut um, before he even gets that second contract. Um, you know, guys like OJ Howard getting released, which I know he was able to to be picked up by the the Houston Texans, but. Seemed like he could, you know, give Josh Allen another target up there in Buffalo before um, they parted ways. But, you know, for the most part, um, I, I think for me looking at the the young guys to see some of the undrafted players um, stick around. Josh Job, heck, if it wasn't for him getting a little dinged up in the preseason, he might be one of Philly's starting cornerbacks. Um, I know that the Broncos like what they saw in, in Chris Allen, but they're essentially going to redshirt him. So both of those guys, who I thought could have been drafted, to see them still on a roster and in good standing, really, um, that's always good to see. But you never know with those undrafted guys. I I guess you can still chalk that one up to a little bit of a surprise.
2: Yeah, just so many of these Alabama guys in the National Football League. It'll be interesting to see how the upcoming season plays out. And uh, It does seem like, though, even the guys that maybe got released initially were able to Catch on in some other places like Leatherwood with Chicago, and as you mentioned, OJ uh, hanging on there with the the Houston Texans for now. But let's talk some Alabama football following the Crimson Tide's 55 to nothing win over Utah State in last Saturday night's season opener at Bryant Denny Stadium. I want to start with the health of this football team first and foremost, coming off of that win, um, and maybe how some some absences impacted things, even if it wasn't to the extent of a player missing the entire game, I guess you could start with the offensive line and uh, your level of surprise to see that first five that was out there maybe. And then, you know, how Alabama is an extension of that offensive line work things at the tight end position with Cam, Letu out?
0: Yeah, the offensive line was was one of the things that, um, you know, I, I was watching closely in pregame warm ups because this was our first time to, to see this team with our own eyeballs. Um, and, you know, the the depth chart has, has kind of been just say that, you know, kind of looking over my shoulder, making sure nothing's going to happen. Don't you do it, Charlie? Chart.
2: Yeah. One move and the depth <laughs> chart gets
0: it. Yeah. But um, for the most part, though, the the first unit had been pretty consistent. And uh, it was a little different in pregame warmups, though. And, um, you know, I I first noticed that I I was first kind of weary because when players come out right when they get to the stadium, they're in in shorts and a T-shirt. And Emil Echior was out there and he was wearing slides. He didn't have tennis shoes or cleats on. I was like, well, that kind of that's a little surprising. But then he he suited up, went through warmups, but he did so with the twos. And Emil's a, a two year starter. He's a veteran on that offensive line. That's one guy that you you pencil in as soon as the season ends last year as a starter for this year and um he didn't start the game you had uh Kendall Randolph at right guard who had been working at left guard and then you had Jamie and Cohen at left guard and so we find out after the game that Emil had missed some time in practice um and I don't think it was anything serious or anything like that but you know if you miss a good chunk of practice more often than not you're not going to start the game that's just you know you're going to give it to the guy that got the first team reps for the majority of the week and that was JV and Cohen at left guard now we saw them start to rotate players uh, late in the first quarter and but your mind kind of goes to you know if, if a guy's not on the field to begin with but then he comes in and plays you kind of think well maybe was Emil suspended that doesn't really check out with anything we've seen from Emil in his career. So that's why I asked about it after the game. Um, but, you know, Nick Saban answered the question more or less. And um, we found out why. Uh, I think, you know, that though, giving all three of those guys opportunities was, was beneficial for Alabama. And then Kamla too, in warmups, looked good. He looked like he was ready to play. And um, I think that was an encouraging sign. I think it's an encouraging sign for this week. Um, he showed up on Alabama's debt chart uh, this week, which it's not a new debt chart. By any means. It's just <laughs> when you when they have a guy come back from injury or easy, have a guy come out with injury, they update it. Easy. That's you gotta preface it. We didn't get a new one. Probably won't. But um No, Cam looked good. Um, but he didn't play. I think they're you know, just taking it easy with him. He's he's getting close to being ready to go. But that gave opportunities for guys like Robbie Utes and, and Miles Kitzelman. And um I thought Miles Kitzelman did some good things. Uh, in the opener, he caught a pass. In uh, what was his first game in an Alabama uniform, but um, they they need Cam back for sure. I think he can certainly help this offense both as a receiver and as a, as a run blocker. And um, I think you know that Utah State defensive front threw some different things at them that they might not see moving forward, and they were able to adjust. Um, but yeah, I think the run game as a whole um, will look to improve, but. Honestly, though, outside of that, I don't think anybody really got banged up in the game. Um, you know, we know the the usual suspects that have been out for for most of the preseason. So, yeah, the the big storylines were Emil and then you know Cam getting ready but not playing in the game.
2: Touchdowns are what matter, no doubt about that. But when we talk about the explosive play ability of this Alabama passing game. I think the longest completion in the game was the 25 yarder to Kobe Prentice Mm -hmm. in the first quarter. And not that Alabama didn't take some shots. They did. They had a couple of opportunities um, with both Bryce in the game and also Jalen Milrow just weren't able to connect. What's your level of concern headed to Austin for an offense with young out there averaged by its standards. Anyway, a really modest seven yards per pass attempt from Bryce in the opener.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's reason to worry yet. Um, I don't think Alabama was going to go out there and and show a whole hell of a lot against Utah State, knowing what they had, you know, coming up this week and then later on in the schedule. Um, You know, I I think it was you want to get these guys comfortable. First and foremost, You you have um you know all three receivers that started the game that's their first career starts in Alabama uniform you want to continue to build that chemistry and I think yeah I think they did some really good things I think they shined in the first game you have you know Treshaun Holden Kobe Prentice Jermaine Burton they all got five catches apiece you know they together were targeted over 20 times so they have a good rapport with Bryce and then you know, I think a guy like um, Jaquari Brooks, who didn't end up with a catch but was targeted a couple of times, um, I, he'll be a big part of this offense as well. And so will Cam, too, when he gets back. I just, I, I don't think they were going to take a lot of shots down the field and maybe reveal some of that. and yeah, I know they they did a couple of times, but I don't think that was the 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 intent going into this game. So. You know, I think with the—I know you asked about the passing game, but to see Jameer Gibbs be able to to reel off a, a long run, even even Bryce, I think there's some explosive play potential for this offense. But from a passing game perspective, I think that'll just come with time.
2: Yeah, it was workmanlike by Alabama standards. The yeah. passing attack, but again, you go back to the red zone. Man, did some really good stuff there between Tracey and Burton and. And also Jason McClellan, who I wanted to ask you about, along with Roydell Williams. We had heard that both were in a very good place in their respective returns from those knee injuries a season ago. But I don't know if I expected either or both to look as fully recovered as they did, Charlie. I thought that was one of the real positives from Saturday night. Yeah,
0: no doubt. Um, I think with Jace, you know, he's been he's been ready to go for a while. You still have to wonder, you know, do they ease him in? Um, you know, they did they not try to? Which I mean, you look at it; he had five carries, um, but he was in the game and and moving well. I thought Jace looked really good, and you know, I, I think they missed him last year from what he was able to do as a receiver out of the backfield. And to see him, you know, end up with a couple of of receiving touchdowns, you know, just kind of showed that even more. But um, yeah, I mean, we've been saying all along that we think Jace is the number two back behind Jameer Gibbs, and he was the the first guy off the bench, and then here comes Roy Dell as the third, um, and that kind of sucks for a guy like Trey Sanders. But you know, when those guys are healthy, we've seen what they can do in this offense. We saw how they were kind of used last year behind Brian Robinson, and you know, to have them healthy and and looking like their old selves again, uh, I think that's big for this offense.
2: I'll tell you what, Jameer Gibbs definitely does. He helps that yards per carry, doesn't he, for yeah. that running back position. <laughs> you start mixing in 58-yarders, and suddenly you're back up over six yards per carry like you had seen from some previous Alabama offenses. And it doesn't hurt when you keep the sacks to a minimum. Obviously, Bryce went down once in the game. Uh, but as far as the offensive line was concerned, uh, would you say it was an encouraging start for that for those guys and and not just the first five, but maybe some guys from a depth perspective.
0: I don't think it was a a terrible start. I really thought Alabama was gonna run the ball uh a lot better. Now you look they have two hundred and seventy eight yards, but you know, Bryce isn't gonna have a lot of games where he's doing what he did against Utah State's defense. Um there's not gonna be a lot of design runs for him, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh which there weren't, but you know, he was able to see success. But with going against a team that Um, was really shredded by UConn in in week zero I thought Alabama was going to have a little bit more success uh, in the running game and you know Nick Saban said it was inconsistent and you know that's kind of all parties involved I think getting Kamla to back here pretty soon uh, can help with that I think just you know another game with this um, or under their belt for the offensive line is going to be beneficial and you know with if uh, Emil's practicing all week, which he should be this week. Um, maybe you have a little bit more consistency up front throughout the game. I don't know if we'll continue to see them, um, rotate players at, at left guard or not, but, you know, just having the guys on the field and continue to build that continuity will be helpful. Um, you know, I, again, I don't think it was, it was horrible, but I, I think there are better days ahead for this run game as a whole.
2: Yeah. A couple of guys that continue to be sidelined in addition to Latou, Tyler Her- Harrell, and then of course Aaron Anderson. I think if you're the the, the last of those two guys, you know, not that you want to see any aspect of the offense struggle. And I wouldn't go as far as to say Alabama struggled in, in any particular aspect on offense, but big play capability. I, I, I looked at I look at that offense right now, and, and Charlie, I still see a place for Tyler Harrell at some point down the road.
0: Yeah, you know, looking at him in in pregame warmups, both he and JoJo Earl were walking around with walking boots on, and we know JoJo's going to be out until probably October with that fractured foot. Um, but yeah, just to add that that speed, that downfield threat, I think will help. That'll go back to those explosive plays we were talking about just a little bit ago. Aaron Anderson's in that same boat. I think they have a lot of young guys that have speed. I think. You know, it was encouraging to see, um, you know, a lot of reps for a guy like Isaiah Bond. Um, If he can take advantage of the opportunities he's getting with guys like uh, Harrell and Anderson still, you know, on the mend, I guess. Um, You know, that could be a guy that could be um, a real speedster for this offense. So, yeah, they they need that dimension. Not saying that, you know, guys like Holden and and Burton and Prentice are Pedestrian Mm -hmm. by any means, but to have the guy that can take the top off his defense. It's really just that. Look, just just go, just run downfield. Um, <laughs> that could be a real asset
2: moving forward. Yeah, Jamison last year with Bryce. Bryce knew he basically couldn't overthrow that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he could throw it out there as far as he wanted, and Jamison would run past the corner and the safety and go get it. And as you said, not that a guy like Jermaine Burton doesn't have plus speed, but I think the bucket becomes a little bit smaller when you start trying to drop it in there to a guy like Jamison Williams, who is a first-round speed kind of guy, and then maybe with Jermaine. And no. I, I'm with you, though. I think in time, perhaps as early as this week, uh, we'll see that start to come together maybe a little bit more. Defensively for this team, going from week one to week two, uh, really positive to see. Alabama get through that opener in good health, especially after what we saw a year ago with Christopher Allen in Atlanta. I think even Henry Tilletoa came out of that game, dinged up a little bit. Uh, Looks like they got through it in good shape and played a lot of people with an emphasis on the corner position. It was an open casting call in some ways, especially when you're talking about the spot opposite Kool-Aid McKinstry.
0: Yeah, it was, um, and and that didn't come as much of a surprise. Um, you know, just listen back to that that post game news conference. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think to to get all four of those guys, a lot of reps will be beneficial moving forward. Uh, they can go back, they can evaluate that game film and, and see what they liked, what they didn't, areas they need to improve, and, and guys they need to, you know, get more um, time on the field. And um, I thought. The corners played pretty well for the most part, given that they're rotating in. And that's a position, you know, I made note of it and trying to explain why we saw some rotation um, after the game. Like corner, guard, um, even inside linebacker, those aren't positions we really see a ton of rotation at in, in game. Now you see it at wide receiver, uh, running back, on the defensive line, but the positions that we did see it were of note because usually those guys tend to play wire to wire. But to to rotate those corners in, I think, again, it's beneficial. I thought all the guys did some good things. Uh, That tackle for a loss by Kyrie Jackson where he runs through his blocker and and blows up the play was one of the best of the night, in my opinion. Uh, But I thought the defense as a whole uh, played really well. They got to play a lot of guys. We saw a healthy rotation up front on the defensive line, uh, and that was pretty much with just two linemen in the game because um, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell were on the field a, a hell of a lot. But, um, you know, to, to pitch a shutout in the season opener, that's, that's rare. It's hard to do in this day and age of football to, for the most part, (laughs) Utah State was in just get out of here mode, but to to Mm -hmm. dominate them like they did, to only give up, I think seven first downs, um, you only give up about 2.1 yards per play. That's a that's a pretty significant showing for a defense that had a lot of high expectations on its shoulders going into the season. Now they're going to have a, a tougher test this week, but you have to build off this and to continue to, to try to figure out that corner situation. Uh, I think they, they exit game one in a really good spot.
2: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how they go about corner in this game. Uh, do they settle on a guy or two, or do we continue to see maybe some rotation there uh, against Xavier Worthy and you know, the options that Texas presents, uh, you know, this week in the passing game. And, you know, some of that now involves the tight end position, although it's not Jaleel Billingsley that you thought it might be. But, you um, well, they've got a – Texas has got a, a true freshman tight end that had a big performance last week. And their season opening went over ULM and Jatavian Sanders. Uh, it's, it's more than just uh, – worthy. Uh Bison Robinson obviously in the backfield, Jordan Whittington also at the wide receiver position, very capable. So, no doubt, step up in terms of competition for the Alabama defense and with that maybe though more opportunities for guys like uh Will Anderson and, and Dallas Turner because as you said, uh, j- just like Alabama wasn't interested in showing a whole lot on defense, it didn't seem like Blake Anderson was going to expose his offense to a whole lot with an emphasis on his quarterback, Logan Bonner. But how much do you think is still in the bag, so to speak, for Pete Golding going into week two in terms of you know what we might see schematically and, personnel grouping wise for this Alabama defense
0: yeah we heard a lot this offseason about that uh, formation where Will Anderson Dallas Turner and and Chris Braswell were on the field together I did not by any means think we were going to see that against (laughs) Utah State
2: (laughs) not on the opening snap (laughs) Charlie come on what's the Uh, fun
0: in that I think this week it could certainly make an appearance though and you know I I know people are going to be like, well, you know, Alabama didn't get a sack in the first game. But, you know, Nick Saban, Will Anderson um, explained that really well, I think, uh, yesterday whenever they came up and, and talked to us, at the Malmore facility. Um, and just talking about how quickly that Utah State was trying to get the ball out. Utah State didn't want to get their quarterback killed in week one um, by those outside linebackers because they were getting back there uh, even when they didn't have a lot of time to. And, um, you know, I, I think that could be. A recipe for teams to try to do moving forward. Now it's a that's a one read. You got to throw it to the guy that you intend to uh, immediately because you don't have a lot of time to think. But um, you know that can that can maybe uh, limit this pass rush a little bit. Now I, I think teams aren't going to do that all the time, but um, yeah, it, it it worked for the most part in terms of keeping uh, their quarterbacks upright and, and not. Um, uh, on a gurney or anything like that, but I think this, this defense can certainly show a lot more moving forward. I think they will, and uh, I don't know exactly if we'll see that formation I was talking about this week, but it, I wouldn't be shocked to see it in Austin because you're going up against a rookie quarterback, let's be honest, and Quinn Ewers. He's talented. Uh, he has a lot of weapons around him like you just pointed out, but you know, going into his first start in a big game, you want to rattle him a little bit, and I think that Alabama has the players to do that Um, And if they can, they can really, you know, for lack of a a better term, turn the tide in this game.
2: Yeah. Change the picture for him on a consistent basis, pre-snap. And not just him, but also his offensive line, because Texas rolling two true freshmen out there in that first five and a true sophomore. So yeah, I would think the looks going to change a little bit from Alabama this weekend. It's going to be a hell of an environment there at Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial stadium. As Alabama takes to the road for the first time in the 2022 season, you think about last year. Yeah, there was the blowout of Mississippi State in Starkville, but otherwise, two point win at Florida, uh, loss at Texas A&M, and then needed four overtimes to beat Auburn down on the plains. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this Alabama team responds to that type of situation.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think they want to play better on the road. This is going to be. A challenge um, out the gate because it's going to be loud. It's going to be hot. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think if you're Texas, you got to be a little bummed that this game's at, at 11. Uh, I think if this was kicking off at like 6 or 7, it would be chef's kiss for, for college football. But uh, still, I think you know Texas fans are going to be excited. They're going to have to be
2: careful though Friday night uh, with oh. what they do out in Austin. Oh, the it could poison! Sure, yeah. the poison's going to be sweating out by <laughs> yeah. kickoff. It could be on a Saturday. brutal,
0: you know, three uh, and a half,
2: four hours of mix in that. some waters yeah. Friday night. Hydration Dang. will be key,
0: but yes. um, that's also important for Alabama's players to to stay hydrated. They've been they're going to be working on uh, communication this week in in terms of you know playing in front of a, a loud environment. So there's there's going to be challenges outside of just you know facing some talented players on that Texas roster, but uh, I think they'll be they'll be a little better on the road this year, um, and I think it starts this week.
2: Yeah, you got a returning starter at quarterback, a returning starter at center, and you've got your offensive coordinator back from a year ago. You should be equipped in a way at this point where you can deal with the noise um, when you headed out, Charlie. When you start in the trip over.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm an idiot and I'm driving, but the wife's going with me, so we're gonna make a, a little bit of a trip Heck Yeah, man. Yeah. So we're we're gonna leave Thursday, but in enough time for me to to get situated for the radio show. Um But, uh, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. This has been one – really, there's a lot of them on the horizon that I'm looking forward to with these home-and-home series. But I've never been to Austin. I've been to, you know, covering Alabama now. I've been to Texas a million times, it feels like. But Austin's always a place I wanted to check out. And so looking forward to getting some, some brisket and some tacos.
2: Ooh, I know, right? Our guy Hank South can help us out with that. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer is a friend of ours. Here on the podcast and at BOL, so uh, leaning on some of that Austin knowledge coming up here in the next few days. I'll be out there Friday. Maybe we'll uh, we'll catch up on the Dirty Sixth six Street there in downtown Friday night. It ought to be popping. I don't know though. I'm at an age where I kind of steer clear <laughs> of that a little bit these these days. You know, I like it a little more low key. I'm not. Uh, I don't run with the pack like you young cats anymore, Charlie. I'll say, though,
0: especially with this game being as early as it is, yeah, I mean, if, if you if you do partake in the nefarious activities on Friday night, <laughs> it's going to be a long-ass day on Saturday.
2: Well, so, and I want to get up close to Bevo on Saturday, right, so right. I've got to be right for that. That's really why I'm making the trip. It's not even so much the game, Charlie. I want to <laughs> get down there, hopefully, and be able to really get a look at Bevo. I don't want to be so close that I get kind of the Georgia treatment from a couple of years ago at the Sugar Bowl. Remember when he went rogue down on the sideline? I'm not looking to ride him for the eight seconds or anything like that. But uh, I think that would be really cool if he's – might be a little too warm for even Bevo Saturday, though.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to expect from a a game day perspective. I haven't really heard a lot about their stadium, about their press box, because that's where we'll be camped out. At for most of the day, I know um, it'll be a little different post game because we'll be doing that in person and kind of scrumming around the players afterwards. We haven't done that in, in years wow. now. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to expect from a stadium standpoint. Um, you know, I, I know yeah, I'd heard a lot of things about going to Florida last year was, was my first trip to the swamp. But I haven't really heard a lot about, um, you know, Texas Stadium in terms of, you know, where it ranks and, and that that game day environment or anything.
2: It looks like, from a press perspective, they haven't shipped us off to the end zones or, you know, the upper reaches of the venue. <laughs> looks like uh, still a pretty good spot that you'll have there for viewing. So I'll,
0: uh, I'll say this, though. I know we've been moved, uh, kicked to the curb a little bit at Bryant-Denny, but it's still it's a good No, view. it's still a good spot, um, yeah. I mean, you are staring straight into the sun for most of the game. That sucks. But they've, they've put some things in the press box, whether it's tent yeah. or even even shades, to— to help out that, um, they also at Brian Denny, keep that thing cool. The AC. <laughs> yeah. You better bring some cup. Uh, so I'm hoping at least for some, some, um, you know, sanctuary from the, the heat on Saturday in Austin. They got to have some Franklin's
2: barbecue for us, uh, Saturday, don't they? In the press Hopefully. box. That maybe. would be nice because I, I listened
0: to your podcast and, You know me; I'm a fan of theme parks, and I'm willing to wait in some lines, but I'm not, you know, four (laughs) and five hours. I think Hank said seven. That's not.
2: No, I I, look. I I know it's great. I know that, but there's a lot of other right good places if you want brisket in Austin. I've been there and sampled some of it. Trust me. If if you want to do that with Franklin's, hey, good for you. Knock yourself out, but. If you try some other spots that we've had mentioned and brought up here on the podcast, or maybe one or two I've thrown at you, trust me, you're going to be just fine, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, heck, um, I, I wrote about it on the website. Um, Matt Pittman, who's the, the founder yeah, of Meat Church, that. he's going to have a, a tailgate out there. I kind of want to check out before the game. They're partnering with Yeti to, to do some stuff for, for fans because he lives in Austin, but is a, a, obviously a fan of Alabama. Being uh, born in the state, but um, I, I like you said though, I think you could you could pick up a rock and throw it and probably hit a good brisket place in Austin.
2: Yeah, it's going to be all about beef. You know, we like the pork pretty good over this way, but it's going to be you know you're going to basically encounter CrossFit for your colon this weekend coming up. <laughs> that if that, doesn't, if that doesn't make you hungry, uh, Charlie, I don't know what will. Yeah. You know? I know. <laughs> uh looking forward to it though i know you are too yeah look forward to catching up for sure hey charlie appreciate it man always good stuff for us here on the bam online podcast yeah man it's gonna be i don't remember the last time i've actually seen you in person since you... i know feels like covid yeah. you know
0: i tried to still in play i tried to get hank a uh a credential but he said i think he's going to the game with his family i said well nice if you want to you know, get away from them and enjoy some AC, let me know. And I'll still apply for one, but uh <laughs> BOL reunion this weekend, I guess. And awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I'll, I'll buy the third drink. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I've got the third one, you know, because I'm, I'm generous like that. You know, we get to that third one Friday or something. Uh, I'm good for it, my man, as always appreciate Charlie being with us here on the podcast. And of course, you want to catch all of Charlie's great work for us there at BamaOnline.com. You need to hang out with us on the Roundtable, the Premium Message Board of Choice for Alabama fans globally. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, the Bama Online Podcast, we hope you'll do that as well. Anywhere you consume pods, you are going to find the Bama Online Podcast. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would be greatly appreciated as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanks again. Until next time.